all right i apologize for anyone who was on our live stream there and then we got totally disconnected my bad i was streaming a background movie uh, just to kind of keep people interested visually and that was a free movie but uh i guess youtube was like no <laughs> not allowed and so um i'm back i'm back my apologies all right so Let's go ahead and just resume our discussion. We're talking about UFC 284. Just a recap. This is MMA, Midnight MMA with yours truly, Manny G. Just giving you a recap of all the things that happened last week in mixed martial arts. A few top stories. How we did from a betting standpoint, so on and so on. We'll drop some tunes in the background tonight. We may have a few guests. We usually do have a few guests, but uh, it always depends upon scheduling. Uh, again, if you were here with us earlier, and I, I, yeah, I, I can't explain what happened there. YouTube just decided to um, basically just uh, kill our uh, kill our feed there. Not sure why. Anyway, let's get back to the UFC 284. UFC 284 um, main event. We just talked about it. You know, my 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 personal standpoint. I thought Islam had won the fight on the cards, though I saw a door open there for possibly the. Uh, excuse me. I, I saw a possibility for you know, hometown cooking to come into play. And then maybe we have at least one judge, a split decision. doesn't happen. A little surprising. Islam wins. Um, I stayed away from both Russian fighters on this card. And we'll come back around to how that ended up saving me a little bit of stress. But we did stay away from both Russian fighters on this card. Coming event, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. Here was a fight that hindsight is, is 2020, right? In hindsight, I thought to myself, man, I should have put way more money on Yaya Rodriguez because he looked fantastic. And quite frankly, it should have been expected. You know, he had the the tools to win this fight. With that said, Josh Emmett had his moments. There was a few moments where you just kind of felt like, you know, let me share my screen, right? Why not? Yeah, there was a few moments where I felt like you can see that at least – Josh Emmett was, you know, holding his own. Um, a matter of fact, I thought there was a few moments where you could see that possibly, you know, Josh Emmett was evening the fight. You know, he was able to do some things where he he was able to, in essence, you know, even the playing field. Um, and so the fight not going to decision was something that we liked, and that was plus 100. That actually ends up coming through. The fight going into the distance at plus 255 for Yair. Again, hindsight's 2020. That looks really good now. The fight going over two and a half rounds, that does not work out. It finishes before that. And the fight going into the distance for Josh Emmett does not cash. The fight going over a round and a half at minus 550, that ended up being very chalky as a play, but still a play that you could have jumped on and thrown into possibly a parlay. You know what I mean? All right, let's move on, move on down to Jack Della Montalana versus Randy Brown. Again, if you are joining us right now, this is the review of UFC 284 as part of our episode five of Midnight MMA. We're going to go through UFC 284. We'll touch upon PFL a little bit, talk some top stories, touch upon Power Slap League, look ahead to next week, review our very successful betting card from this past week for those who trailed us. Yeah, you're you're still probably celebrating because it was a hell of a weekend and uh, we won some money. That's what we're here for, right? 
I'm also here just to give you some background noise. Maybe you're, I don't know, pouring yourself a glass of wine. Maybe you're winding down the rest of your day or morning or evening because this is available via podcast. You can be listening to me late in the evening. I'm here to soak up your energy, all the negative energy, right? Whatever negative energy you have, pour it on me. And then absorb the positive energy that I'm trying to give out to you. So if you lost a few bucks this weekend, you were gambling. Damn those bookies. Damn Pedro for not winning his fight and fight going the distance. Man, that was a tough one. I had that fight going under. A lot of us, you know, even casual to to more active betters on mixed martial arts. It was a weekend that was up and down. But uh, we finish on the positive side. When you do, you knock on wood a little bit, you're, you're thankful. Let's get back to UFC 284. So Yair Rodriguez wins the fight dominant fashion, beats up Josh Emmett. Again, I thought the fight was a good fight until it was over. Ends up finishing in round num- numero deux. And again, for Rodriguez, we, we liked him to win the fight. We did have a play on him, but that round two triangle choke, you know, late round two, that was impressive, you know, off his back. It was impressive. And off his back in general, he was dropping elbows and really, you know, making things ugly for Josh Emmett. It was impressive. He looked good. He looked good. All right, let's move on now to Jack Dela Madalena versus Randy Brown. So my first thought here was Randy Brown. I think I give him more credit than he deserves, huh? Tall Jamaican athletic dude from the New York area slash Jamaica, but really from New York type of thing. He's got a podcast. He's he's a very intelligent dude. Like him. Love him. I don't love him, you know, but I like him. <laughs> and I, I was giving him a chance in my mind. Um, if you're looking at this on YouTube, you can see my Excel sheet. Some of it's kind of blanked out, like these dashes here, because I I didn't include the grading scale in this version of the Excel sheet, but it gives you sort of a whatever. The basics, you know, their record, their their odds, their age, and some prop bets that I was looking at for these guys. In the case of Brown, he's highlighted in the in the orange text because I thought Brown was a live underdog. That to me, you know, made sense. He ends up just getting his ass whooped. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I like Jack Della Maddalena, but dude, man, you know, a round one club and sub where he hits Randy Brown and and sends Randy Brown dancing, you know. Like when a when a new calf is born, or you know, when a giraffe has a offspring or a horse, and they take their first few steps, and it's like Bambi legs. Yeah, that's that's what Jack Delamontalana did to Randy Brown. He hit this motherfucker so hard, he sent my man into Bambi leg syndrome. And Randy's a tough athlete, big guy, but, you know, he got rocked. And then from there, Jack comes in, lands ground and pound. I'm thinking we're going to see a TKO. For the TKO betters, you're thinking we're going to see the TKO round one. If you had that prop, it was looking so good, and then he ends up swooping in and getting a rear naked choke. If you had into the distance or round one into the distance, it all cashes. If you had KO, it's a little frustrating because the KO is what ultimately led to the 
submission, right? In any case, we end up with uh, Jack Dylan Montalena just dominating the fight. Just pure on dominance, wins the fight, makes Randy Brown look terrible, quite frankly. And I like Randy Brown. Um, Jack was one of the more popular parlay picks on the entire card at minus 300 range. It was getting to the point where you were wondering, am I getting enough value? You got value there. <laughs> it was dominant, no sweat. He looked good. Good for Jack De La Maddalena. I've joked before, he looks like he belongs like in the Irish Mafia. Nose is all crooked. You know, he just got that look. All right, moving on down to Justin Toffa versus Parker Porter. Uh, this fight, you know, here's a fight where if we did the fight again, I think we get a different outcome. And then we run it back again, you know, different outcome. That's probably every, every fight, right? But I, I, what I guess I'm trying to say is I feel like this fight ended in a way that may leave some people thinking one way and feeling like, oh, you know, you know Justin Toffa is way better than Parker Porter or, you know, Parker Porter is not good. It, it just was a matter of, you know, one inch this way, one inch that way. You know, you, you duck your head the wrong way. I mean, look what happened to Kamar Usman. How many people after that fight were so sure of their bets that they had placed on Edwards? People were like, oh, I told you Leon's going to win the fight. And and I'm like, wait a second. That was a really close fight, guys. That was a fight that could have gone either way, right? That's the way I see this fight here. I thought Justin Taffa versus Parker Porter could have gone either way. We're talking about same-same. But Dave Frank, you know, similar. We end up with Parker Porter falling on his face. And it's all over just like that. <laughs> and it's all over. Just one punch from Tafa. Now, there was a little bit of excitement from our camp because we did have a little prop action on the round one KO for Tafa. Nothing big, like 15 bucks to win like $90. $90. But that was nice. What threw me off, and, and sometimes it happens, but what threw me off, we had picked Toffa to win. He was on our prediction video. He's on our write-up newsletter the whole nine. What threw us off was I kept hearing people tell me, tell me or in general say, Parker's underrated. He can wrestle him. He, he's got better cardio. Uh, you know, just all this stuff about Parker Porter. And I started to think about, man, you know, maybe I'm underrating Parker Porter. You know? Maybe I'm not giving this guy a chance, you know? And then here we go, right, Brett? I'm like, I, I just, next thing you know, I'm like, wait a second, dude. So when it comes to, to, to Parker Porter, he was what he was. He dropped, flattened his face. Tafa caught him with a left straight while Parker was coming in with an overhand right, like a left clean straight. And then like an uppercut that kind of hits Porter too. Just I'm not sure how much damage it did. Left straight uppercut. Parker hits the floor like a piece of hot bacon on the grill. No follow-up punches required. Taffa takes a good look at him on the ground and says, Good day, sir. May I have another? And he moves on. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same guy. Is that what you're saying, Brett? 
Like the same dude? I, I thought so. I thought Justin Taffa and Parker Porter, you're splitting hairs there. And, and even though now Justin won the fight and people are going to be like, oh, I, I knew he would win. Like we predicted him to win, but very little confidence. This shit could have gone either way. <laughs> either way. That fight ended pretty quickly, right? Let me look it up. So here's what my thinking was. That fight ended in a minute and five seconds. Parker Porter literally flew all the way halfway around the world for a minute and five seconds of action. Man, this sport is... Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Brett, what's up, dude? You're one of the um, MMA Holes people. You guys roll deep, man. You guys are awesome. You... um. Yeah, you know, I'm sort of barely on the edge of that community. I, I'm a I'm a follower of um, the MMA whole stuff. I, I watch a handful of their videos. I have so much time in the week to to watch content in general because I'm trying to make content over here. But you know, just love their flow. Great vibes. Their people are awesome. They have an army. So yes, Brett, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for for coming through. And I posted something over there in the Discord earlier. All the MMA holes are always welcome over here. Matter of fact, go over there and tell them to get over here. Whoever's up right now, 12.30 at night. We had what, Auntie Annie was over here two weeks ago. She's cool. They're all welcome. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, guys, there's an MMA channel, YouTube channel, MMA holes. That's MMA, H-O-L-E-S. It's a husband and wife combination. They do an awesome job. They have a ton of great content. They had a guest with them, I think, on Saturday night for UFC 284. Legit, like, UFC MMA, like, broadcaster, commentator guest. Good shit. They got some good shit going. So, yeah, but Wonderful Wonderful is their, like, thing they say all the time over there for things that are, you know, El Positivo. So Tafa ends up getting the win. Big surprise in terms of how it happens, meaning early on, things were kind of chill. Ends quickly. We're happy with it because we had him picked to win. Subscribe to our newsletter. First fight in the main card, light heavyweight bout. Jimmy Crute, Alonzo Menefield. We picked Alonzo Menefield. We had some level of confidence in him. We thought he could do it. At plus 170, things were looking good. He was about to knock out Jimmy Crute. The plus 340 prop for Into the Distance for Alonzo was also looking beautiful. And wonderful, wonderful too. And then. And then Alonzo in the field just gets tired. And he gets tired again and again and again. And next thing you know, he's just so damn tired. He he can't knock out Crute. He's got Crute hurt. Crute is literally at a point where He's being collapsed. I mean, one time Alonzo hit him and Crute collapsed like a briefcase. Clunk, 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 clunk down. Now, in Crute's defense, that motherfucker did not give up. <laughs> he came all the way back. He kept fighting. He showed, I'm from Australia, mate. I'm in front of my hometown. I have a new level of respect for Jimmy Crute based upon his effort. And not the kind of effort where you're like, oh, he gave an E for effort. No, no, no. He came back and, you know, quite frankly, was on the cusp of winning. 
But Alonzo Menefield gets a point taken from him late in the fight, a point that ends up resulting in the fight becoming a draw. And post-fight, I'm thinking, ah, oh, damn, we like Alonzo Menefield to win. If the point is going to take it away, he would have won the fight because it ends up being a draw. So, yeah, we were part of the Menefield tribe thinking that he could knock out Crute. And that almost happens. Crute shows, I have, a, I have a chin, dude. Doesn't get knocked out. Ends up surviving the distance. We get a draw. Crute's got a chin, but here's the thing about this chin, guys. There's different types of chins. There's the, you can knock me down 10 times, you know, Matt Schnell type chin. I'll keep fighting. I'm not dead. <laughs> I keep hitting the canvas. You know, the, uh, what's that guy's name? Todorowicz, right? The Polish guy. Like, he'll hit the canvas 10 times and just pop back up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, coach. It's like, dude, you, you you just got knocked down five times. Stop, stop. There's that kind of chin where it's like, no, he he keeps coming forward. He, you know, there's then there's a chin of like he could take a punch, and you know, shakes it off. He's he's ready to go. Different chins. Crute has the chin of more of like. Yeah, when you when you hit me and knock me all around, I'm gonna look like Rocky. It's gonna look bad, but you know, give me some time. I'm gonna, you know, that's my style. That's how I look. So that's the main card. For the main card, we ended up going four zero and one. The zero and one being Alonzo Menafield. So we had Tafa to win, Madalena win, Yair and Makachev. Almost everyone had that group. It was the Tafa fight where a lot of people were. 50-50 on that one, so we were on top of All right, so prelim card, Tyson Pedro versus Modestus Bukalkis, and this fight here, we were on Bukalkis. Tough decision. I, I, I'm not, like, super happy with the decision. So even though we we did wager on Bukalkis and we we talked about it pre-fight, we explained our reasons why, the fight didn't go the way we expected. Number one, we thought fully no way it goes decision. No way. So bad read there, and we did play that spot pretty heavily, both on our registered bets and also personal level. The fight going under or not to a decision was minus 225, and I thought you were super-duper safe there. Pedro's never won a fight outside of round one, finisher, so on and so on. The fight ends up going the full distance. It's it's a bit of a surprise. Round one is close, maybe goes to Pedro. Round two, oh, it's close. Round three... By round three, Pedro was just not throwing enough. He, he was so tired after round one. It's a shame. A guy with so much potential, so much talent, just no freaking cardio. Modestus does enough to score enough from the outside, lands enough punches. He cracked Pedro a few times, and Pedro just took it. It was no big deal. There was no blood. My first read in this fight was Modestus from the outside, peppering and striking and winning the, the volume battle and winning. And then I was like, oh, no, their records show them as, as finish guys, you know, high finish rate. That threw me off. So we did get the right pick on Modestus winning, but our prop bets were off. Like we had no distance, under two and a half, into the distance for Pedro, a KO prop for Bukalkis, plus 375. We sprinkled those things. None of that hit. You know, so we're not going to tell you we had this fight totally right when we didn't. We didn't. We like Bukalkis to win. 
we saw him as a live underdog at plus 210, but all of our parlay, I mean, all of our prop bets there were, were off base. Joshua Kulabau versus Melsic Bagdasarian. This is just good old-fashioned luck. Let, let's let's just keep it 100 here. This is just luck. Because even though we had, we had chosen Joshua Kulabau to win, he wins by a very, you know, like beneficial circumstance. First round, Melsic wins round one. He he has Joshua's, I think, nose kind of bleeding a little bit. And Melsic does a spinning back kick that inadvertently kicks Joshua in the, the groin region, right? The manhood region. And Joshua, you know, he takes a minute or so. He wants to keep fighting, so he doesn't take the full whatever, how much time he can get. He's like, let's go back to it. Looks uncomfortable. It's like whatever, 15 seconds left in the round. The round's over, walks back to the corner, tells his corner, like, I can't breathe. Can't breathe. If breathing it was out you. He's like, I can't breathe. And, you know, he's like, I got I feel my nuts up in here, you know, basically that that feeling. You know, you'd have to be a man to know what that feeling is. For, for all the ladies out there, all I can tell you is it just feels very uncomfortable. Borderline nauseousness. And uh so he's explaining this feeling to the corner. He comes back out for round number two. I'm thinking this is not good. He lost round one. He was bleeding. We had about you know, in our parlay, whatever. And Kulabau comes out round two and pulls off a slick little maneuver, scramble, like spider monkey thing. Gets the back of Melsic. And sometimes mixed martial arts, it doesn't make any damn sense. There's no like, you know, there's no math. It just... Next thing you know, Kulabal's getting a rear naked choke. Two minutes and ten, two minutes and two seconds in round two, and beating Melsic in a fight that he was losing. So for Kulabal from Australia, dude, even money minus one fifteen, any bets were placed on him. Good return for Melsic. Oh man, totally tough, tough loss because he was winning. He was in the driver's seat, and it, I wouldn't say he got cocky. Maybe he got comfortable. If that's care, if that's fair to say, he just got comfortable. And you get comfortable at the wrong time, next to you know, Aladdin. Moving down to Clayton Rodriguez versus Shannon Ross. <laughs> Here's another fight where all of my initial spider senses told me Clayton Rodriguez is the one that should win the fight. All my initial read on it was Clayton's better. Then I did my research on the fight, and I looked at Shannon Ross and Contender Series and whatever else, and you know, refreshed my memory of who he is with the Clayton too. And I thought, okay, decision, Clayton. Still wins, still wins, but decision Clayton. I thought to myself, maybe split decision Clayton, split decision Ross. He's fighting in Australia. These these become my 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 second reads. My first read was Clayton going to win the fight easy. My second read was Clayton wins the fight, but maybe goes to decision because he doesn't press tempo and tends to be a little more passive and goes to decision. You know, Shannon Ross, Australia, next to you know, scorecards, robbery, whatever. And then my last read was more of a on the fly, like hearing people say that Shannon Ross has a chance, you know, Shannon Ross by KO. Uh, he's tough. When I was hearing that, I was like, I don't like massaging my brain, like, wait a second, that's not what I saw on film. I, don't agree with that that analysis, but maybe I'm missing something. Am I being jaded by Clayton Rodriguez's skill level? I, I was trying to understand. And then Clayton Rodriguez and 
you know, Shannon Ross square off, they fight. And less than one minute into round one, Rodriguez just runs through Shannon Ross. It wasn't even close. If they fought again tomorrow, same result. If they fought again next week, same result. If they fought two weeks ago, same result. That's how dominant Clayton was. Clayton kicked the shit out of him. Like more or less literally. Clayton kicked him a few times in the like the liver section. Ribbish. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a botanist. That's actually a person who does with flowers. When I say botanist, I'm not a biologist. Kicked him in the midsection. You can see Ross was not comfortable with it. Eventually, Clayton comes in more pressure. He's like flying around like a ninja, flying knees. And Ross was 59 seconds and he's fighting in his hometown. And people were saying he's tough. Just put that in perspective. No one's wrong on that. Dude is tough. But if Shannon Ross is tough and he's fighting in Australia, mate, and Clayton, a young buck coming in here to fight him at the age of 27, how good then or how much better then is Clayton than Shannon Ross? Because, again, Shannon Ross is not a guy who give up easy. He's tough. That was one-way traffic. And though I did not entertain any bets on Shannon Ross, I heard people doing it and thought it's not a bad idea. He's a dog. You know, I like dog plays. But, no, Clayton Rodriguez all day, every day. Moving down, Jamie Malarkey versus Francisco Prado. I did have a little small play on Prado. He's coming in as a late, not late replacement, but replacement fighter, undermatched, experienced, so on and so on. Malarkey wins the fight pretty easily. Minus 270, decision win for Malarkey. The only question I had there for Malarkey was it was a decision win against a fighter that you might wanted to see him do better, kind of finish the fight. For those joining the chat right now, you're welcome. Welcome here. If you're coming over from MA Holes community, wonderful, wonderful. We're just reviewing UFC 284, the results of what happened, talking about our betting spots and how we did. We'll touch upon PFL last week as well. We'll talk about the week coming up here in UFC and a few of the top stories in the world of mixed martial arts. So your comments are always welcome, guys. For those who are listening on our podcast, you're obviously not commenting because you can't. I'm talking to those that are here on YouTube. So Malarkey wins by decision. Again, not very uh, impressive, but uh, he gets the win. Moving down to Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanis. Now, Jack wins the fight. Very dominant win. Minus 335 range, minus 340 favorite. Uh, we had him parlayed. We liked him. Again, throughout the week, I got I got a little cold feet. People talking me almost out of you know Jack Jenkins because of some stuff about Don Shanis and his durability and his toughness. His last fight was kind of rough. It was you know a quick submission, but you know what? You know, one fight. You know, whatever. But Jack ends up dominating the performance for Don Shanis. You know, he tried, did a few things, but just wasn't enough. Just wasn't enough. And so Jack Jenkins says it's a dominant decision win. We had him parlayed. The fight not going to decision was minus 225. So the fact it went to decision was a little bit of a surprise. And most people thought Jack would win the fight. He said distance, and he did not. So a little bit of a surprise there. Next fight, strawweight bout. Third fight in the card, Loma Lukbume. Versus Elise Reed. Now, this one's just a little bit of a surprise because early on, Loma's winning the fight. Early on, halfway through round one, she's landing good kicks, has a little bit of a bruise behind Elise Reed's leg, uh, gets a takedown. But then Elise Reed reverses the takedown, gets on top, 
starts giving Loma some issues. And next thing you know, end of round one, you're like, who won that round? Ends up being the judges all had Elise Reed winning round one. I'll come back to round, I'll come back to why we knew that. But basically, Elise Reed won round one. So round two, they come out. Loma comes out with a mentality of, well, I lost round one. I need to step shit up. Loma takes back control quickly on the feet, gets both hooks in, brings to the ground, and then proceeds to quickly get a rear naked choke. That's it. Elise Reed loses. Our take on this fight, again, was like 98% wrong. We had Loma winning. Okay, nice for our long parlay we'll talk about. But the fight going to the decision? Nope. <laughs> you know, the fight going over two and a half? Nope. Either fight winning by decision? Nope. Any split decisions here? Nope. Even the fight going around three, just starting around three was minus 400. So yeah, that, that was a very big surprise. Loma winning was not a surprise, but how it happened. Second fight in the card, Shane Young, Blake Builder. Shane Young has been on a rough, rough streak, hasn't won in a while. This fight was kind of close. I was not very impressed with Blake Builder, to be honest with you. Not impressed. Thought he could have done much better. Needs to pick up the intensity. He talked about in post-fight that, you know, I didn't want to burn myself out and, you know, jet lag. And I don't know, man. Too patient for my liking. Needs to do more. At a, as a plus 110 underdog, we liked him to win the fight by decision at plus 350. So that all ends up working out. Matter of fact, we had four props we liked for this fight. We had the fight going to distance, minus 105. Over two and a half, that was minus 125. The fight going to decision was plus 350 for Builder. And the fight starting round two was minus 360. So our read of the fight was was solid. But again, I the, the the way he performed, Blake, that is, not a good, not a good performance. Now, this fight, first fight in the card, Zubaria Tukagov versus Elves Brenner. This one I'm gonna spend a moment to talk about because for anyone who subscribes to our newsletter or or heard our breakdown last week and listened to what we said and took our advice, you saved money. You just you avoided a, a grenade on this fight. We were specifically concerned about Zubaria Tukov's last few years, fights that were canceled. We were questioning whether it was a fighter commitment issue, immaturity, a lack of love, whatever the case may be. That was all before he came in and then was overweight pre-fight for this fight. And you're probably saying to yourself, doesn't matter, he still lost. You're right. I mean, it doesn't matter, he still won the fight. I do agree. I thought he won. Watching the fight in real time, I thought Zubaria won. And we chose him to win our, our prediction video. But what I'm saying is we also said, do not bet on him. Stay away from it. <laughs> Don't do it. Minus 500, minus 600, minus whatever. Do not do it because the guy's got a bunch of red flags. For Elves Brenner or Elviz, you know, we weren't really sure what to expect from him, but it's like... No, you just never know against a guy like Zubaria who's just not fully committed. The fight going over two and a half rounds, we like that. That ends up cashing. The fight going to decision at minus 125, we like that. That, cash, that cashes too because Zubaria is not a big finishing guy. You know, again, people people kind of off base in that one with him. Decision win for Brennan was plus 650. We tipped that, but we didn't play it. And it's uh, it's regrettable because we we tipped that as a possible possible outcome. We played the plus 700 Brenner by submission, which actually grew to plus 850. It didn't happen, so we lost that. The fight starting round two was minus 400. We did parlay that. 
So Brenner pulls off the upset, wins the fight by decision, and the commentators, Bisbee and them, were like, the fuck is this, man? Like, that was a robbery. That was some of the most outright, I guess, expressiveness from the commentators that I've heard where they're talking about, hey, you know, I don't like this decision. I don't agree with the outcome, you know, so on and so on. Ends up, you know, look, all I'm saying is this. Zabaria Tugov had a lot of red flags going into the fight. <laughs> then, the, then the miss weight cut, you know, he's the kind of guy, you just don't want to wrap that up into anything you're doing. You know what I'm saying? So for UFC 284, we finished with plus 9.00 units. The full card is available. The, the full tip sheet, it's all there for you guys. Look down below here on the description here on the YouTube video. Find our link there for Substack newsletter. Subscribe to newsletter. You'll see all the results there. Our full tip sheet, the whole nine. Totally free for you guys. But I can tell you we went plus nine zero zero units. But the big winner for us, the one that really kind of like, you know what I mean? We had a parlay as part of our parlay specials. We call it the full card parlay without the Russians. So no Tugov and no Makachev. And then we had the rest of the card. So it was 11 legs. 11-leg parlay. Plus 40,732 odds. Yeah. And we got every leg right except for Alonzo Menafield. That was a draw. Because it's a draw, it reduces the odds quite a bit. So we tipped $5 bet to make $2,000 on that bet. 11 legs at 40,700 and some odd odds. Because we lost the Alonzo Menafield odds, it got reduced to plus 15,693 odds. But still, if you followed our bet here, a $5 bet paid out $784.93. You got to love it. So this card was pretty good from us from a standpoint of efficiency. We ended up winning that nice bet there, and we finished with plus 9.00 units in general. So again, going back to the entire card, we had every pick correct except for Alonzo Menafield and Jimmy Crew went to a draw. And then Zubaria versus Tukov, which ends up going to a uh, a loss for Zubaria. We had Zubaria to win. Interesting card, right? The first fight in the card, we got it wrong, and then boom, we go on a streak. That was a hot one. And quite frankly, after a fight card like that, it kind of makes you want to like, you know, pull it back in and, and be a little bit more cautious because they don't happen all the time. And usually after that, you bounce back with something kind of rough, right? All right, let's quickly talk about PFL Challenger Series number three. And I am a little bit of a get off my chest here. I feel like the PFL, right? Here's my thoughts. The PFL needs to adopt a few small little changes. I like their stuff. But the Challenger Series, it's got to be more realistic for people having a chance to win. <laughs> like, we, 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 we've got to adjust it in a way where, yeah, you have a chance to win. That's the best, best way to put it. And I feel like right now, the way they have it is it's geared towards certain fighters winning. So for last week, Friday night, PFL Challenger Series, or this past weekend, we had four fights. 
heavyweight fights. Main event was Danilo Marquez versus Ross Hilton. Danilo wins the fight. He he gets a finish even. And I'm thinking main event, he wins the fight. He's got it, right? He's got it in the bag. What ends up happening is that he gets the finish and doesn't even get qualified as a finalist because they have the four people in the ring who are all the final, final four. They pull two of those four people out as the final, final two. And I was completely flabbergasted, shocked. Before I even get into the fights, actually, this was a heavyweight only four fights, one contract, PFL, right? Week three. And the weigh-ins were hilarious. One guy weighed in like 225, 26, whatever, 230s, low 240s. I mean, shit, I don't think a single guy weighed in more than 250 pounds. Maybe one guy did. And if you ever coached football or played football, you know how this is. Like the offensive linemen are the hardest guys to find. Big guys that are athletic are hard to find. I guess big heavyweights are hard to find. So the PFL goes and tries to pull off the PFL Challenger Series last Friday for the heavyweights, and ultimately they have just a bunch of light heavyweights trying to compete, I guess for a PFL contract. And uh, so the main event, Danilo Marquez gets a finish. I thought for sure he's going to get a contract. I thought he's the guy, um, mostly because he's a UFC you know, alumni. He's got some decent skills. He got a submission. I don't know. I'm confused. Maybe they have some other ideas for him. Maybe they'll bring him back in another... Um, Another fight later on, but not sure what happened there. Finished, but no no contract. So co-main event, Isaiah Pinson versus Vitor Resende. Uh, you know, I have to laugh here because we chose Isaiah Pinson, having not watched any film on him, to win. And our rationale was like some Sadiq Yusuf type of shit. We ration, our rationale was simply that in the prior few weeks of the PFL, we... You know, ended up having all the late replacements ended up being winners. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. You know, late replacement, you know, they can be a winner. Give me a second here, guys. I just got to um, check something here real quick. Let me just, uh, cool. I got to just double check with my, my guest coming through. Drop me a line a few minutes. Before you are ready. So for those that are actually here tonight, I do have a special guest coming through. <laughs> Every now and then we got a special guest coming through. Some people that you might recognize from the UFC, UFC fighter coming through any moment. I'm going to make you guys brace for a second. So if you want to hear from a UFC fighter, that's going to be coming through here in just a second to talk to us. Stan Pat. Stan Pat. I'm going to put on some tunes here in a second. And uh, this way we can enjoy ourselves, get ourselves geared up. It's a male fighter. He fought on Dana White Container Series last year, won his fight, got a contract, has a fight coming up. So get ready for him. In the meantime, if you don't mind if I just drop on a little bit of tunes and get myself some 
party favorites. Is that okay with you guys? Is that all right? Is that okay? Does that work? All right, I'm back. I'm back. Hopefully the music's not too loud. I We use StreamYard here, and sometimes the music just gets, like, super-duper loud. I don't know why. It drives me a little bit crazy. I just want some, like, nice, chill, you know? The kind of music you'd be listening to if you were, like, in a spaceship traveling through the universe just flying through space not a worry in the world so imagine being an astronaut <laughs> I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid yeah astronaut Galarza so we do have a special guest coming through tonight. When he's ready, he'll be joining us. But in the meantime, let's finish up talking about PFL Challenger Series number three from last week as we wrap up the week that was with Mixed Martial Arts. If you're coming through and you have a problem with the feed, if it's like, like it's janky or it's like not connecting well, please let me know in the, the chat, the chattery. So, Isaiah Pitts that wins the fight as a plus 310 underdog as a late replacement for PFL against Vitor Resende. And we liked Pinson only because he's a late replacement. Last few weeks, they've all won. That trend continues. We never saw any film on him. Quite frankly, not impressive during the weigh-in. He gets the job done. So Vitor wins the fight. Now there's only one 
big downside to this, though, for us. We did not bet on Pinson because the line was not available. <laughs> so, you know, on a personal level, it's like, you know, you identify a good play. You see the plus money coming out, but you didn't bet on it. And we try not to do any side betting beyond what we do with you. So when we're betting with you on our tip sheet. This becomes our, that's what we're doing. Okay. So when we say we're winning, we're not winning outside of that. Okay. We're winning with you. And I wanted to win with you here because Pinson was like, oh man, it made perfect sense. So he wins. This makes now what three, four weeks in a row or three weeks in a row where the replacement fighters have won undefeated this year. All right. Hassan Graham versus Abraham Babley. The second fight in the card. Babley wins and ain't going to lie. It's impressive. My man came out looking, yeah, impressive. That's just the bottom line. He gets a finish. Didn't see that coming. And round one, mind you, ground and pound. For Hassan Graham, though he had the size, of course, the bigger guy, former linebacker, football player, he definitely did not have the MMA prowess. Let's put it that way. He he struggled to, yeah, you know, basically just struggled to keep himself <coughs> on his feet in the fight. Got repeatedly taken back down. Badly took complete control of the fight, and ultimately won the fight in round one. As it was happening, I said to myself, "No way gets a contract. They don't want him. He's the smallest heavyweight besides Meeks." I thought, "No, no." Nice win, but no try, no contract. That was my thought when it was happening. Oh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> First fight in the card, Alton Meeks versus Louis Sutherland. Now, this fight here, we had Alton Meeks as our selection to win. Thing was is we we didn't have a ton of confidence. We were little back and forth, but we still felt he was the better fighter. For Sutherland, we weren't very confident in his overall athletic ability. His punching power, yeah, he's more the bigger natural heavyweight. But the weigh-ins were a bit of a concern. When Meeks came in, he weighed in at like 220-something, and that was like, oh, dude, like you're going to be so much less, just less bigger than Louis Sutherland. Sutherland came out with his big chest. But round one, Meeks puts on the wrestling clinic. I mean, he comes and takes down Sutherland. He's got back control. Things are going well. And I'm like, all right. Let's go, you know, looking forward to a good little little four-fight card here on a Friday night. I'm thinking, we got this, mother. We got this. And then, unfortunately, Alton Meeks just runs completely out of gas. <laughs> and then here comes back Louis Sullivan. And eventually, Louis Sullivan turns the entire card around on his ass and gets the win in round two with hammer fist on the ground. Alton Meeks ultimately crumbles up, gives up. And that was the first fight in the card there for PFL number three on Friday night. We went three and one in our picks, win-loss picks. We, I think from a betting perspective, I'd have to look it up because it's not handy. And we did a breakdown. We did a review of that already before. But we ended up finishing, I think, like even money, not winning anything, not losing anything. Uh, the pick, the, the card that really messed us up was that Meeks one. Because if Meeks had won, we would have been in plus money. But whatever, is what it was. That was PFL Challenger Series number three. That was on Friday night. Last Friday night. And since we're talking about PFL, they do have PFL Challenger Series number four coming up this week. 
And if you don't mind, we could take a little glance at what that card is going to be. So that's PFL Challenger Series number four or week number four. For those who don't know what this is, it's the same exact thing as the Dana White Contender Series. And if you don't know what that is, that's okay. You're not, you know, doesn't make you stupid or not a good fan. But ultimately, it's the, it's a, it's almost like a reality show, right? It's a, it's an opportunity to go ahead and earn a contract on a show and you're basically competing against, you know, seven other people because there's four fights, right? So next week, which will be Friday night, it'll be all lightweights, all men, four fights, eight guys. One contract gets awarded. So after the four fights are over, they do some kind of judging and tabulating, we get a winner. So that's next week. Matter of fact, that breakdown for next week's card is already available on YouTube. You can watch that already available up there for you. And that's um, going to also have the write-up, the, the write-up on a breakdown format as part of our Substack newsletter. That should arrive, if it didn't arrive this morning, it'll arrive tomorrow morning around 9 o'clock, I believe. The full write-up for PFL Challenger Series. No, it was this morning, yeah. Yeah, so if you're subscribed to our newsletter, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not subscribed to our newsletter, subscribe to that bad boy. The full write-up for PLFL Challenger Series 2023, week number four, coming up this Friday in Orlando. That'll be the date here. That'll be the 17th, right, of February. That write-up is available for Friday coming up this week. And... Um, the bet tip sheet will be available as soon as the lines come out. The lines are not out yet, so we can't do a bet tip sheet yet for that for you guys. That's for PFL. The write-up and the full breakdown for UFC Vegas 69, which is coming up this Saturday. And that's an event that has some changes, right? We ended up having the um, main event was a change, right? So Blanchard was supposed to fight Talia Santos. Santos backs out. Now we have Blanchfield facing against Jessica Andrade. And that full breakdown, video-wise, and the write-up should be available. Let me guesstimate. Uh, no later than Tuesday. Tuesday morning, we'll have that for you. And again, for those who followed us this, this past week and who subscribed or watched our breakdown, hot week. Good stuff. You know, I want to keep the trend going. Along with making myself money, I would like to also make you money. <laughs> That's sort of the whole idea here. I can tell you what. I would venture to have 100% free content always, forever, and ever. So long as we have you know good investment betting strategy ideas because that would ultimately pay our bills and keep our lights on. The fan base would only grow. That's good. We have good fans, you know, get more eyeballs, we get more people looking at our advertisements, so on and so on. But paying the bottom bill, bottom line of the bills with, with our knowledge of trying to properly invest in better outcomes, aka gambling <laughs> on sports, um, you know, that to me would be the, the safest way to have a good level of, of, of return, right? Because everything else can change. People can decide they don't like the content, they can decide they 
Whatever. Whatever. But if our bottom line of what we're doing is ultimately returning, you know, money, then that's where we want to be at, right? We want to be in, in the green. All right, so now's a good time to uh, segue. We went over PFL Challenger Series Week 3, UFC 24, Makachev and Wokanowski. Oh, yeah, so I, I did talk earlier, and I want to finish my thought on this. Um, Volkanovski, yeah, overrated based upon who he's fought. Not overrated based upon how he fights. I, I think I think when he is out there fighting, even this fight against Islam Makachev, he definitely had his moments. He clearly clipped Makachev, knocked Makachev to at least what would be categorized as being in a down position, knee to the ground, hand down, whatever. Knock him down. So, and also didn't get close to like really getting submitted. Like Makachev, well, there was one point when Makachev was whatever trying something, but Makachev had back control. That was about it, but didn't actually really get submission opportunity going. So, yeah, so I think from that standpoint, the lore of Volkanovski, that continues to build. He fought an amazing fight. He came out more or less unscathed, you know, no major cuts or whatever, went toe-to-toe, finished stronger, won round one. You know, all those things are true. Uh, it's the middle part of the fight. You know, there was there was some early parts of the fight where Islam looked more dominant and won those rounds. So, you know, I think... This all goes toward again the legacy of Islam. I'm sorry, of Volkanovski. But it let's get back to who he beat. Who did he beat? <laughs> who did he beat? He he beat Holloway and he beat Ortega. And like, you know, and then he, and he beat um an aging Aljo. I, I'm just saying, is that the resume of, of the GOAT? Is that the guy who's like the best that ever did it? Is that the pound for pound resume? You know who Islam just beat? You see what I'm saying? Hold on one second here. Let me uh let me get my buddy here the link and then we'll go in here. Copy link. All right, so we're gonna be joined by a guest here in a second, and I wanna Pull up my tapology. So I'm going to give him a little intro here because if you don't watch Contender Series, you're always going to be a little bit like thrown off with these guests that are not, you know, mainstream UFCers just quite yet. But for those who watch Contender Series, in a few moments, we're going to be joined by the Reaper, Sidikrius Dumas, undefeated 7-0 prospect, fought on Contender Series in uh, August. I hear my dog behind me. My dog is dreaming, and he's like, what up, what up, what up? What up, bro? How are you, man? Good man, good. You know what it is, man. Just chilling, vibing on war zone, you know. <laughs> okay, I love it. Thank you for making the time. I'm not gonna keep no. you very long. 
Nah, man, you good, man. Sorry that we, you know, we've been trying to figure out these damn dates and time, trying to get everything right. So that's on my part. So, you know, I take the L on that one. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. All right. Well, let me get right to it. Um, you you have a fight coming up. Yeah. Let's talk about your fight. You're fighting Abu. Abu. Yeah. So you're fighting this guy on, on, the, on the 11th of March, a day before my birthday, actually. And... Um, what do you know about this guy? What are your thoughts? Uh, let me be real with you, man. Uh, honestly, I don't know too much about him from what I've seen. Um, I just know he hasn't fought in a while, I want to say, or something like that. Um, but I really don't know too much about him besides, you know, they've been he been in the UFC, him and his brother. Um, you know, from what I've seen, it looked like he come to fight, but... Um, I don't, I don't know per se, you know, for this, like, for instance, like, you know, everybody come to fight, whoop, whoop, but I don't really like study so much of my opponent so you can get it, if you can get what I'm saying. I got you. So you don't do a ton of film study. You don't obsess with it. No, no, no. I do like, say for instance, like I do a little bit, but not a lot because if I focus so much and then my um, training partners and anybody else try to like, um, you know, try to be like them. Like, over a while, it gets boring, and then it kind of turns into, like, school to me. And I'm just like, nah, bro, like, I ain't fucking <laughs> Um, The fight you had on Contender Series, round one, guillotine choke, you know, very impressive. You've got a few finishes on your resume. You've got some TKO finishes. You've got some submission finishes. Do you think you're better at submitting somebody? Is that more likely, or do you think you're better at knocking somebody out? Uh, well, well, my old striking coach told me, um, and he kind of had a, you know, you know, he's talking about a little bit on it, you know. He said if your striking is very good, you know, you put it, you know, very well, you know, you wear around it, you know, you work on everything you need to work on, you feel me? He said most of nine out of ten people will fall into submissions because of your striking. Hmm. So when I look at it like this, I know, man, of course, like I want no submissions, like none of that, peer point blank. But I'm the type of fighter, like, if it happens, it happens. Um, if I get it, you know, I'm going for the kill, you know, woo, 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 business. But besides that, man, honestly, though, I just be all in. All right, all right. Honestly, though, I just be all into like my, my zone, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Now I see you on Instagram training at the is that the UFC PI in Pensacola? No, in Vegas. So I fly out to Vegas, you know, just get over there and get some work in, you know. <clears throat> I'm the type if I want to get better and I want to stay low key, you feel me? I'm gonna go places, but <sighs> my bad. My no bad. worries. Um, normally if I do, like, I try to go places where I'm not around, like, a whole lot of people to work on my craft. So I fly out to Vegas, go to Orlando at Fusion, um, train out there in Mobile, Alabama, at Port City, at Ridge, um, construction. Um, but really, man, is honestly, like, if, if I, I gotta have my mind right, you feel me? Like, yeah. if I got my mind right, I'm straight, I'm set, whoop, whoop. I don't got a problem, I don't got nothing to worry about, you feel me? Um, but like I tell a lot of people, yo, like I am the type of person that if I ain't fucking with the vibe, I ain't fucking with the vibe. I'm not be around it. 
Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of carry myself when it comes to training. Like if one gym's kind of like, like man, I'm not feeling it right now, you know, whoop, whoop, I'll go to my next gym, you know, whoop, whoop, whoop. It's just how, like, it's just how, bro. You know, a lot of gotcha. like, gyms, you know, and stuff like that get upset when you cross-train and stuff like that. But, nah, I, I, I appreciate my gym, you know, respect me as a man first to understand, like, hey, man, it'd be great, you know, to be good at something, you got to be, like, well-rounded. So I respect you. <laughs> you're good, you're good, you're good. So this fight's I'm doing being... the interview right now. I'm <laughs> you're playing uh you say World of Warcraft? No. No, I'm playing Warzone. I'm getting my ass whooped. I already died about three times. <laughs> now this fight's being held in Las Vegas. So you're gonna be flying out to Vegas at some point, I guess. What how how far before the fight you'd be out there? Normally I try to get out there as soon as possible. Um I'm I most try to get at it by like two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Seven months. Okay. And yeah. if you had it your way for the rest of 2023, would you fight at least one more time after this? Two more times? I mean, do you, I mean, how much how much influence do you have on that? Or you just it's up to the bosses, I guess. Oh man, shit, I'm be rich, man. If boss man said I can fight right after this fight, oh I'm gonna fight, bro. Like real <laughs> shit. Like no bridge, no not, I'm gonna fight. Dead ass. I'm my mama. But like I do fuck with my body more than anything, but I'm not going to be that type of fighter that's going to be fighting, like, every six months to a year. I'm fuck now, boy. I lose my fucking shit. <laughs> now, um, did you did you watch any part of UFC 284 this past weekend? Did you see any of that card? <laughs> yeah, like, I ain't going to lie to you. So it's funny because a lot of fighters don't watch a lot of it because, you know what, you guys are in it. It's like you're, it's your it's your work. Yeah, and I'm be real with you, man. Like when I see these main cars and all this and stuff, like don't get me wrong, I'm gonna watch it, you know. Whoop, whoop, but man, I fall asleep, bro. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I just fall asleep <laughs> on it. I know I can rewatch it like on IG or something like that. So because yeah. like I even fell asleep on the Eggsy and the Alice Pereira fight in the Jamal Hill and Gover to Share fight. And my homeboys are going to be like, yo, I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, bro, like, I just, like, I respect all them dudes that fight, bro. You know, like I say, like, I can't wait to fight these dudes. But, like, when I watch TV, bro, it's just like Netflix. That bitch going to watch me. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> well, one last question for you before I let you go. This fight coming up in March, is there anything new about your – training or anything new that we should expect from you a new wrinkle anything you're adding to your repertoire that you've been working hard on to just make yourself more rounded more well more well-rounded excuse me um nah just going a little bit going the extra minute let's just say that okay um that's really what we just kind of kicked up and trying to go an extra minute so okay. That's really been helping. And like I say, people have seen the videos of me training. Like, they see. So, like you make, people, you're making me tired. You're making my bad, me bro, tired. man. Look, you know, it's, look, right. see, it's not me. I'm not even tired because I already went to sleep around like eight and woke up. <laughs> it's a simple fact is like, I'm watching this TV screen and I'm just like, bro, I'm dead. 
Like I'm I'm a good sportsman. I'm gonna wait to the end, you feel me? But like when y'all gonna buy me back? Because I don't feel like sitting watching y'all ice. <laughs> So, yeah, that's why I'm young so much. And honestly, bro, like I tell people, bro, I train normally like two hours out the day of each session. And I have probably like two to three sessions a day. Damn. So that's one thing I tell people I'd be tired too. And also we. <laughs> we well, well, on that note, Sadiqris, I'm, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you giving us the time, especially on. I appreciate you. Like, it's like 1.30 in the morning, man. I appreciate you, dude. Hey man, appreciate you, man. I know, man. I was like, we gonna get it right this time. No, it. listen, and I'm I'm gonna keep in touch. I, I I wish you the best. You know, I know you're just kind of getting your way in this whole industry, and there's there's a whole big mountain to climb. I I get that, and uh, and you know who knows what happens here, but there's something special about you, and you know we're we're gonna keep following you, man. Hey man, thank you. I love the support, man. I love the fans. I love you know just having people on me that's rocking with me. Like Wes said, I like people that's rocking with me for the long run. And not just for the short time of it. And also like Kendra Lamar said, I hope you sell a fan when shit hits when shit hit the fans. You feel me? So <laughs> we'll be here either way, dude. We'll be here either way, man. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. I love that. I love it. I love it. All right. All right, SD Chris. Have a good night, bro. All right, y'all too, man. All right, peace. Peace. All right. That was Sadiqrius Dumas. Nice having him come through. And uh yeah, he is a um he is a uh he's a, he's a prospect. Now that he came through and you know, I can kind of talk about him for a second if you don't mind cuz he came through. So I now I have to talk about this guy, right? So I had a chance to talk to this guy, well, maybe like yeah, last year. It was it was months back. It was months ago. And uh he told me the story about being shot like several times. He he was in a he was in a car and you know, just whatever, wrong place, wrong time. And he took seven, eight, nine bullets to the sternum. Yeah. And or, or not, I shouldn't say sternum. He, he took seven, eight, nine bullets in the body and survived. Hospital, the whole nine, whatever, ambulance. He grew up around a lot of violence. You know, grew up in a just tough, tough environment. Fortunately, he had some family members who helped him to remove himself. Chicago, I believe. That's where Sajikir's students grew up. Chicago. Got away from that lifestyle. Went to contender series last year got a first round finish as an underdog in a fight against a guy that was a pretty highly touted prospect in that fight. The guy's name was Matej Panaz. And the odds had Dumas at plus 130 and Panaz at minus 155. I thought he was more of an underdog. But the point is, Dumas wins by round one guillotine choke. I've had a chance to talk to Sajikius Dumas quite a bit. Let's put it that way. Exchange a lot of information back and forth. Got to know the guy a little bit. And at 27 years old, I could tell you a lot of interesting things about him. You know, he, he's he's tall. He's lanky. He ain't scared of nothing. <laughs> There's no quit in him. And he's got the attitude of he's got nothing to lose. 
And for someone like like that who's been through some of what he's been through, like on the cusp of life and death, you know, your outlook on things can be a little bit different than somebody else. You know, your your threshold for pain, your threshold for seeing the dark, deep parts of life. He came through tonight, talked about his fight coming up. He admitted he's not a big studier of the film for opponents, doesn't want to get distracted by those type of things. Hey, to each their own. It makes sense. Some fighters do more studying than others. But for first Junior's Dumas, not his thing. I'm curious to see what he does in a two-round fight, three-round fight. Because all we saw him and that contender series fight was a you know short period of time, submission, got it. So he's based out of Florida. He's based out of Pensacola. But he told us in an interview he fly, flies out to Vegas often to do some training. I'm not sure if that's being sponsored, how expensive that is. Ultimately, he's doing what he got to do to get it done. He's now 7-0, undefeated. He goes by the Reaper. Mr. Dumas will be fighting on March 11th, day before my birthday. He'll be fighting on March 11th against Abu Azatar. That'll be at UFC Fight Night. Jan versus Tavashvili coming up again on March 11th, 6 p.m. So thank you again, Mr. Dumas, for coming through tonight. He was playing. I forgot the name of the game he said. I thought he, he said it a few times, but he was playing some video game tonight. Um, yeah, it, it should be interesting. I agree, Hype. It's always tough when you do the interview stuff too, because you know you just get you get you just get so so invested in the fighter that you want to win. And I've had so many conversations with Snickers Dumas just off off the record, as I try to do with all the fighters, right? You know, one of the things I do, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't beat around the bush with them off the air. But when fighters come on the air with me when it's live and when it's being published. I try to be as polite as possible and keep it very, very positive for them because I don't want them ever to feel like they're being put in a pressure situation when we're talking with them on, on the air. Off the air, I'm asking some of the questions, you know. I'm asking also about specific stuff coming up, upcoming fights and what they think. And it's surprising the feedback I get. Like, look, look, look what he just said. We were talking about UFC 284, and I asked him, did you watch it? He straight up said no. He didn't watch a single one of those fights. <laughs> and imagine, he, he fights for the UFC. He's a UFC fighter. And that, that's, it's just part of it, too. Like, when you when you work for the company, like, do you want to watch the company, too? In your free time, you know, you're stressing about this Monday through Friday, you're training, you're, and, like, when you have downtime, do you want to also look at the company that you, you work for Doing their company operation stuff, you know what I mean. Anyway, good having him come through. Appreciate his time. Let's get back to our show. So we recapped Makachev versus Volkanovski, UFC two eighty four, the entire card, PFL week number three. Let's talk about what you've all been waiting for. Drum roll. Actually, two things. 
Well, first thing. The Power Slap League moves into full effect with the contestants moving into the house in Vegas in this Ultimate Fighter, the Ultimate Fighter series, basically, Slap series, mirror image of the same thing. Talk to a few fighters. I had a chance to talk to Jam- Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson. My name is Matt Damon. Um, so Damon Jackson came through on Friday. He stopped by our live watch party for the PFL Challenger Series. If you want to listen to that interview, just go back and find that video for Friday night, PFL Challenger Series. But Damon Jackson came through, and we talked about the, ch- the slap thing, the slap power slap thing. I didn't bring it up. He mentioned that he had watched it. He just said, listen, you know, I watched it, and uh, we, you know, we kind of chuckled, which is kind of funny. You know, like, oh, it's kind of you know ridiculous. But then he says, yeah, that it's kind of weird watching the same referees that referee his fights. Excuse me. <coughs> the same referees refereeing his fights, also refereeing their fights, and like the same setup. I've heard multiple fighters say, like, Dana sits in the same exact chair. I don't know what that means. But in, in essence, the fighters see the comparisons of, like, what they do for a living, and they be, they're there, the referees and everything. They see the same setup, and they're a bit offended by it. And that's what Damon Jackson said. Damon was like, yeah, he, just, he finds it to be, you know, very, I don't know, not a good look. He also did admit, too, that it was kind of funny. This power slap thing and the, you know a little bit entertaining. I have watched now all the episodes. I'm probably gonna keep watching. <laughs> it's terrible, right? But I mean, when I say I watch it, I'm not ex- exclusively focusing on that when I'm doing that. It's on another like screen in my office over here. Like I'm not one screen focused or one television. I need to see the next episode of Power Slap. But they moved into the house. We had some drama. One guy already got ejected for just basically getting drunk and trying to start fights. You got guys like flexing to try to fight each other. And I'm like, oh, this is so weird. They're just slapping each other. Uh, the, the rules are interesting in that I feel like they found a way to make slapping like a complicated thing. You, you're thinking, what's the rules here? Just slap each other. They got rounds and like, you know, I never thought about that, but like rounds and like, you know, how much time you have to recover or you know, there's there's chalk and hand placement. You you know, you can't like can't slap somebody with a fist, right? There's no, you know, you can't do that. You can't punch somebody like it's got to be a slap. You know, it, it's got to be you know, a certain area. It can't be, you know, like, I, you know, I'm just saying that basically there is a whole protocol here for how you do this sport. That they've invented, I feel like <laughs> they being, I don't know, not the UFC, but like this is like this is a, a worldwide thing. People smack each other in all kinds of organizations. For real, for real. And so they've adopted these rules. Now they have the UFC referees in there. And you know, it just it it's a bit funny, a bit also entertaining. The last thing that I am gonna talk about is that it's bad for people's brains and stuff, or that. That's a weird one because I feel like you're, you're, listen, there's a lot of stuff that's bad for you. Working in a chemical plant is bad for you. Working as a police officer can be bad for you. 
you know, there's a lot of things that are bad for you. If you want to go in and smack each other around, whatever. My last thought, though, my last thought. For Dana White and the UFC, I think you could still have this power slap thing. I think you could even st- still have the allure of Dana having some level of presence, just not so much of it. Like the referees, I get their personalities, and I get they even probably appreciate the extra. I mean, like Herzog and them, they're not going to complain about this. Like, listen, that's just more money on top. So for them, they're like, listen, shut up. Don't say nothing. I just wish they could have had new officials, new personalities for that, and then somehow maybe have not Dana have to be like, it's it's almost as if like, for example, Dana didn't go to UFC 284. He didn't travel to that card. He wasn't there in Australia. And I saw some of the tweets out there. And some of them, quite honestly, I don't know. You have no idea why Dana wasn't there. Put it that way. So when people go and, oh, Dana was there. Like, who knows, dude? Maybe he was back home with his wife and his children at a family function being just a good dad. Not smacking his wife or anything, just being a good dad. What if he was doing that? Maybe it was something important family-wise. Maybe he had an important doctor's appointment for himself or maybe for someone that he knew that was important to him. You know, like give the dude, a, like just lay off the Dana White stuff. Like the guy can't do anything right sometimes in some of the Dana White criticism circles of the web. So yeah, Dana didn't go. But one thing that did pop in my mind, I said to myself, I wonder if Dana White is not there because he's back in Vegas filming something for the Power Slap League. Mm-hmm. But then again, I thought to myself that that's probably all been recorded already because now they're moving into starting a recording on the Ultimate Fighter soon. So yeah, probably not on. I probably wasn't on point with that one. <laughs> but yeah, still lay, lay, lay off of Dana. If he didn't go to UFC 24, it is what it is. A matter of fact, I think Dana going to less and less of the big events is going to be more of the norm. You know, if you if you understand how big companies operate, at some point, not even by his own accord, they'll look to phase him out the pitcher as the big boss man. He won't have a replacement. There's never going to be a Dana White part two or like a Vince McMahon. Like, no. When Dana's out of that role, you can be assured the next person who's the president of the UFC, because that's what Dana is. Dana's the president. He's the CEO. He's the president. The CEO is the company that owns owns whatever the CEO of the company that owns that owns them. But the president is Dana. The the next president or commissioner, whoever they want to call him by by title, is going to be a, a tie wearing, you know, suit wearing conservative, you know, Harvard graduate type of person. Uh, I can assure you of that. And nothing against Dana and his lack of a college education. I'm just saying, like, you know, why not? You know, if you're going to hire someone to be the president or, or CEO of the organization, you have all the resources in the world. You know, why not hire, you know, a young, very qualified, intelligent, maybe someone who's already been working for like the New England Patriots already in their front office, you know, who's just a you know brainiac, you know, someone of that ilk. And how do you get there? I think you get there through little by little phasing him out. And so not having him at US 24 in some ways, even though the fans, you know, don't understand it, it's better for the long haul. We're not here to see Dana. You know what I mean? We're not here to see Dana. So yeah, on on the power slap thing, uh, you can start betting on power slap starting in March. Yeah, man. 
Yeah. You can start betting on Power Slap beginning in March. And I heard that. You know I heard that from? Dana White himself. I think he put a video on Twitter. He was like, you can start betting. So you want to lose some more money gambling on mixed martial arts? <laughs> Bet on the slapping people back and forth. Yeah, that's your uh, that's your power slap update there. Said Said you Said Yakub. Oh my gosh, I saw that guy. What's his name? Moglus Moglus Mogli 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 Mogli. Said Yakub Kakramanov released by the UFC. This made like quick waves for like a day, and then it just phew, got pushed aside. Everyone stopped talking about it, but. Saeed Yakub Kakrakmanov, good fighter, good fighter, and all of a sudden news breaks that he's getting released. Um, I almost didn't believe it. Of course, I had to Google it from the Googleizer. Um, oh, by the way, Super Bowl. We'll talk about that in a second. So Saeed Yakub Kakrakmanov, good fighter. He's from the Mountains of Washington currently, originally from Uzbekistan. He's got that Middle Eastern Durka Durka slash Russian influence. He lost his last fight by a round two guillotine choke to to Saeed Nurmagomedov, a fight that he was winning, mind you. And prior to that, had won his first two fights in the UFC. Was two and zero. He won against Ronnie Lawrence last year, 2020. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, last year, 2022. Won against Ronnie Lawrence decision. Look good against Nurmagomedov. They release him, and the news dropping is just simply like something relating to some basic negotiation. It was like basically he didn't even know why. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know what happened, dude. They just let me go. So fans are like, what what happened here? Um, I'm gonna speculate. If you don't mind me speculating, why they let go of Sayyukurakumanov. I believe they just don't want the grappling guys on the rosters. They just don't want it. If you ask UFC president Dana White point blank, what does he want? Do he does he want guys who are winning fights by striking, flying knees, kicks, helicopter flying, whatever, or guys grappling and wrestling? And no, they they don't want it. How about the fans? There, there's there's arenas where the fans, as soon as you hit the ground, ooh. You know, they call it mixed martial arts, but ultimately, it you know, it's mixed martial arts entertainment, right? It's not it's not grappling. If you're a hardcore mixed martial arts fan, you can appreciate some grappling, but we're not here to watch grappling. We're here to watch somebody get knocked the fuck out, right? That's what we're here for. So Sayuku Kakramanov getting released, I think, could be a byproduct of that. The new wave of, like, we just want people that are finishers, and and you're going to command too much money. You're going to start grinding two guys in a division who can't wrestle because he is a good wrestler. You know what I mean, Ultimate Fighter, new season, Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. How about them apples? It's a win, 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 win. It's a win everywhere. UFC, huge win. The show Ultimate Fighter, people have been talking a lot of shite on that show the last year or two. It's always oh, terrible. It's not fun anymore. Look, I don't know. I, I've been binge watched a few seasons. I've done my homework on this show. 
it's a good concept. Can they make some updates and changes? Absolutely. Right now, just putting Connor in there with anybody, Chandler's a pretty good personality himself, but Connor with anybody, it's a win-win. You know, it's part of Connor's comeback, and they're going to finish everything off with a fight at the end of it all sometime in late August or September. Connor versus Chandler, huge. You know, all of it's wonderful. So looking forward to the ultimate fighter this year, the only thing I would say, it appeared as if so far that Chandler was like not looking to do any like, oh, let's, you know, puff my chest, be a, let's create some extra drama on the show. Let's, let's fight and stuff. Um, and I feel like with Connor, he might be in a similar place where it's like, listen, hey, we're competing in the show, but like there's no reason to be like, you know, fake angry at each other. I wonder how that plays out. Knowing Connor, by the way, I wouldn't trust him to last like that the entire show i think what he does is i think he does one or two things right i think either he does something himself that's that's crazy and outlandish <laughs> towards chandler or against chandler's team right just naturally because he's just that kind of guy or under the advice of the ufc he choreographs a way to do something and still comes off as a villain and does something because i can't imagine that conor mcgregor goes the entire show as this like oh nice compatriot we're both ufc you know we work, we work for the company it's good to see you guys good luck everybody um i don't care if your fighter beats my fighter no no, no. <laughs> connor gonna be mcconnor and if he's not like i said i think that i could see a scenario where the ufc just interjects a bit of a script for him like you know connor what if you were to throw a bag of shit at michael chandler's face when he's sleeping you know um, yeah, that'd be excessive. All right. So yeah, ultimate fighter updates for you. We've got Connor facing off against Chandler. Gonna be awesome, explosive. I heard they're starting filming like very soon. And then the first episodes will be dropping at the end of April or May or May. May. It all come culminates in the end of August or something like that. One more lead story I want to talk about. James Krause. James Krause. Let me say a quick hello here to my man, John Mundy. What up? What up, Mundy? It's good to have you here, homie. We're running through a few top stories from the week that was in mixed martial arts. If you want to go back and catch the interview with Sadiqius Dumas, we just had him here about oh, 40 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. UFC fighter has a fight coming up in March. We were just talking about that fight and just what's going on with him. And then before that, we went over UFC 284, PFL, week number three, and a few other stories. But let's talk about James Cross for a second. For those who don't remember, I've been keeping an eye on this story. The investigation began early November, like November 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, around there. James Krause, boom. Thank you, John. Go check it out, brother. For sure, for sure. So James Krause explodes in the scene as, you know, villain number one, the guy who's gambling on UFC fights and he knows stuff and maybe he's betting against his fighters and he's got a fighter out there and Derek Minor or Minner who, who was compromised pre-fight. And, oh, my God, let me tell you something. The thing about fighting hurt, I can go on and on about the hypocrisy of how it, it just depends on the story they want you to believe because it, it just it, it just really depends on the narrative. Because fighters fight hurt all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. In this case, I guess Minner had some kind of an injury beforehand, a little bit of injury. 
to his leg. He's throwing leg kicks, mind you. He's throwing kicks with his legs. I mean, like, you know, obviously throwing kicks with his leg. Makes sense. You can't throw kicks with your hand. He's throwing kicks, and ultimately, next thing you know, he's out of there, like, quick first round. And rumors start circulating while the line was moving. You know, maybe maybe uh, money was coming in late on the other fighter to beat Minner in round one because possibly his coach, this guy James Krause, leaked the information, told people, you know, told the wise guys, maybe put some bets in on his own. The initial response from Dana is like, no one's doing nothing, not happening, no, shut it down. That was the first re- response from the UFC, first official response, and from Dana too. As the few days unfold, it becomes more apparent. It's a little bit more than that, Dana. And, and of course, Dana starts to change his tone of like, oh, well, you know, people who are doing this, very stupid, you can go to jail, shouldn't be gambling. We told you guys no more gambling on UFC. Now, mind you, I, I, wouldn't, I would never give you a name. I talk to tons of coaches and fighters, and tons of people are gambling on on fights, even right now, that are fighting. Tons of them are. Tons of them are. Okay, tons of fighters, managers, agents, coaches are gambling on fights right now. In the UFC, in Bellator, in or out of Bellator UFC, this has been going on for a minute. Before they were allowed to do it, now they're not allowed to do it. It's just, it's all still going on. So this concept that James Krause is this evil guru of the, you know, the the illegal gambling ring for mixed martial arts as a coach or agent or gym owner, he's a patsy. He's a patsy. Yeah, he got a little too brazen, and started to go on shows like the Arahumani show and saying things like, "I make more money doing this than anything else," and. Uh, you know, he had this pay for, not pay for play type of thing, but, you know, like a, a paid membership to his uh, Patreon and, you know, sort of like his Discord. And, you know, he had a following and people thought it was good. Some people made money. Some people did it. Ultimately, he'd let this become the forefront of what he became. Like, yeah, I do UFC stuff and I'm a little bit, I'm a former fighter. I'm, I, do, I stopped doing that, but I'm a coach and I got a gym. But really what I do is I'm a gambler mixed martial arts well back in like october ish they dropped a memo and they said listen no more you you can't do gambling on on the sport if you're a fighter promoter if you're involved no longer do we see that as a permissible adventure if you don't know how the world works that's not going to stop people from doing it (laughs) just sending that memo is not going to be like oh everyone lay down their 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 uh, their phone apps and and no more vetting on the on the on the on the draft cage, the fans or whatever you have. The ability to work around that is is incredibly easy. Let me give you a prime example of what I could do. Let's say my name is I'll give you a name. Let's say my name is um Cheyenne Vlismus. I am Cheyenne Vlismus. I fight in the UFC. And I like to bet on female fights because especially fighters I know really well. Maybe I train with them. I know them. I feel comfortable betting on female fights. I bet on like four or five female fights a year. And I bet a lot because I know what the hell I'm talking about. My name's Cheyenne Vlismus. So me, Cheyenne Vlismus, goes to someone that I know. Someone I trust. I've known them for a long time. Maybe someone I met in college or high school. 
maybe even like my sister. <laughs> like, you know, like you can't stop Cheyenne's sister from betting on mixed martial arts. You know, you can't stop Cheyenne's cousin or uncle or aunt or just good friend. You know, you, you, you know what I mean? So Cheyenne goes to this former person that she trained with or some former classmate and says, you know, I'm going to give you $10,000, you know, I'm going to send it to you in a few days. I want you to bet on these few spots here for this card. Can you submit those bets at a local casino that you live at? I know you live next to so-and-so. The person walks into a casino with the cash, places the bets, gets the bet slips, goes home. A few days later, goes back, collects the money, sends the money to Cheyenne for what Cheyenne won. Is that difficult? Is that hard to do? Or maybe even easier. Maybe Cheyenne doesn't have to even send the money anywhere. Maybe she lives in the same exact town with somebody that she knows and she respects or she likes or she trusts, her friend, family, whatever boyfriend, whatever, <laughs> hand them the cash and say, can you go sit those bets for me at the local casino? I appreciate it. Like, <laughs> it's like Pete Rose. You know, the, people tried to like fry Pete Rose. Like Pete Rose was doing what a lot of people were, were doing and still do, like gambling on the sport that they play in. Not to be confused with shaving points and not to be confused with gambling against the best interest of the integrity of the sport. Though you can't trust a process like that. You have to eliminate all of it. So James Krause, the investigation began in November. We've had a few bullet point updates. We've had a few fighters he had before on his roster get either suspended. Obviously, some of them leaving the gym. I forgot the fighter offhand. Spanish guy, he was suspended. And I think part of the reason why he was suspended was, you know, the language they caught him using as, in terms of how he described James Krause and, and even his support of the Discord and, and the gambling operation stuff. You know, not for nothing. It's going to sound kind of mean, but just putting it out there. If, in fact, James Krause is never able to come back to coaching mixed martial arts or owning a gym like in the UFC or you know, Bellator because he's just considered, you know, off limits and never gets his license back as a co. If that, they always have, he always has the ability to just keep gambling on mixed martial arts. That was his main income anyway. <laughs> yeah, not that bad, right? He's not going to be banned from gambling. And once again, even if you ban James Krause from having an account on DraftKings or Bellator for FanDuel for gambling on sports, he could simply go to someone else and give them the money and have them walk into a casino and place the bets for him. You know what I mean? Come on. This shit ain't complicated. It ain't complicated. But what I want to talk about with James Krause is I felt as if the investigation had all the 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 makings of what looked to be like, you know, like the Patsy. You know, they're looking to set somebody up as the fall guy. And here we are now. The November is when things started. Now we are, you know, November, December. It was early November. November, December, January, February. We're going to be going to March. So we're about four months to five months removed from the actual initial investigation beginning. I get this feeling we're going to have a, a long investigation and a very anticlimactic ending where it's like, well, 
What we found is, you know, possibly there was some a little bit of this and that, but nothing major. They're going to slap a few little small penalties and basically a little slap on the wrist. We move forward and he will be allowed to resume coaching. I don't know. After a six month suspension, like something in this parameter. The the issue becomes like, how does a UFC deal with this? Because if that if that becomes a universally accepted, like, all right, yeah, all right. Made a few mistakes, but no, he was not doing anything in, you know, whatever. Same thing with Derek Motter. He got cut from the UFC and all this too. But if if the general public and the UFC and Bellator takes the approach of forgiveness and we'll let him back and he made a mistake, it wasn't anything malicious, he can get back. He can get back. <laughs> but, 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 if the UFC decides to lay the hammer and say he can never come back and do anything, anything near organization, will never have any of his fighters, so on and so on, He's he's in essence fucked from from coaching. It, th- that would be like it, it'd almost be impossible to be like, oh, I'm a I'm a UFC or I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm a coach, a trainer, I have a gym, and I can have fighters, but but I, I can't have anybody here who fights in the UFC. I can only have Bellator and Cage Warriors and other ones because if anyone's from the UFC, I, I you can't fight for them because of my you know my my deal with them. So from that standpoint, he is a bit handicapped with what he can do if the UFC does not decide after some time. James Krause, you've paid your penance. You know, you, you you can come back to coaching. You can get your license back, so on and so on. But for now, he lays in limbo. And uh, I'm not surprised. It's been a few months. It might even be longer. Um, but James Krause, for some reason, yeah, things are up in the air. Up in the air. So <laughs> I have uh, the funniest thing from last week. You guys will like this one. You know what? Actually, I'm gonna pull it up for you guys because I think this is this is worthy of uh, of a shared screen. Be like this: when you're doing film study, and this is for all the all those who study film, all of you out there who look at film and try to watch fights and you know break down fights, you'll really appreciate this. This is a beautiful thing. So. I was looking up a fight of this guy, Demir, for Hot Begovic. And I was looking for any kind of film I could find. I found this on a Facebook thing or whatever. And what caught my eye was that these guys are fighting on a baseball field. Like, not on it with their feet. But the actual cage setup is in the field. And I'm like, nah. Get out of here. And lo and behold, I'm going to show you right now some footage of it. Here you go. There they are right there. That's the infield. You got some people out there with some tables and some shit like that. And <laughs> this is the this is the other side of, of mixed martial arts. You know, this is the, the other side of that world where you've got uh, uh, people fighting in, uh, in, in game on, a, on a baseball field. So... In any event, so during this fight, that was a fight again of Demir Ferhat Begovic, who's fighting, yeah, next week on PFL. That's how I came across it. One second here. I got a question here, a statement. Hi3 says, do you expect any other fighters to get suspended the way Molina did? He's gone until the investigation is done. Um, 
That's a good question, Hyde 3. I believe that Molina, well, I know two things, well, a few things about Molina, not two, three, but a few things. Molina had a unique connection to Glory MMA because he, he like, got there first as, I want to see someone who's working in the gym, like, basically a maintenance worker, trying to then do whatever he could to get some training as well, like, just thirsty for an opportunity, but not a lot of talent. And, you know, really ingratiated himself with, with the gym, with the coaches, and then obviously became pretty good, right? UFC fighter. So Molina is a really homegrown talent from that gym. And I always considered him as, you know, almost like a, like a, like a son to James Kraus, you know, if I can make that comparison, like, like a son, like a, somebody who would really look after. And so when James Kraus had the operation going of the, you know, discord and the, the gambling stuff, I almost feel like even some of the things that I heard about what he was saying, meaning Molina, that Molina was just really just endorsing what he was doing. He wasn't like sincerely meaning like, yo, subscribe to this. So you, he'll make you money. I think he was just endorsing it, like just having his voice back, you know? So, but he was the main one who was doing that. That's the problem, you know? And I think he, again, he has a closer connection to James Krause. To answer your question, I guess, no, I don't see anyone else getting suspended that was part of that gym. So many of the guys that were there, how about um, Brandon Moreno not too long after the initial investigation happened, like early November, Brandon Moreno posted a picture of him hugging James Krause saying like, you know, I'm here for you, whatever, like, you know, basically showing some level of solidarity. And, uh, I don't know if if Brandon still feels that way now, um, but Brandon wasn't suspended, and so yeah, I, I think some fighters just were too close to the action. And I think Molina was one of them. Everyone else, those guys have moved on. There's been a lot of fighters who fought since that time that used to train at Gloria May that have fought and uh, you know have been cleared to fight. So seems like I think Molina might be the only guy, if that makes any sense. I still have that fight up because I have to finish telling you guys the funniest thing from the sports weekend. So I'm watching this fight. They're on the baseball field. You know, I'm like, wow, look at this. This is hilarious. The guy's name is Demir, right? Demir, D-A-M-I. At one point, the commentator calls him, and not to be funny, the commentator just full out calls him Dahmer. And I'm like, oh, hell no. This man did not call him like Dahmer, like James Dahmer. Yeah, he called him Dahmer. I, I want to say at least he called him Dahmer multiple times. And then his co-host or co-commentator was like, yeah, Demir. I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was the funniest moment for me on the sports MMA weekend in terms of reviewing you know, film. Um, that was good. What's ahead? I want to wrap things up here pretty quickly. It's 2 o'clock. We've been going for two full hours. I am exhausted. Mind you, Super Bowl was last night. Oh, poor Eagles lost. Uh Let's talk about that for a second, I guess. So, Eagles lost, right? Fly, Eagles fly. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of action on the Super Bowl, so I wasn't worried about, let's say, the outcome per se. But living not too far from Philadelphia and being on the East Coast, you just sort of want them to win. Like, I want the Giants to win, the Jets to win. I'm a Bears fan, you know, first and foremost, Bears fan. But I live in the Northeast. Like, if the Jets or Giants win, I mean, heck, even Buffalo. Like, I, you know, I'll take all of it. Not so much New England. but And the Eagles win. Great. So, Super Bowl, awesome. They're winning. Things are going well. I'm at a party tonight with some friends, family, having a good time. Kids there, wifey, holding on. We're having some beers, having some drinks. Things are going great. Eagles are up by 10 points. Halftime. 
looking good. And then the call that was heard around the world, this this like phantom holding call that I mean, you could tell me the letter of the law about like, listen, no jersey was pulled, the hand was barely kind of touching the jersey. Third and long, the penalty was a game changer. Kansas City needed the conversion to keep the drive going or have to kick a field goal. It results in a first down. Kansas City makes the clock, in essence, wins the game. It's brutal to watch. So for the, those out there who had Eagles to win, I am so sorry. Those of you who are Eagles fans, ugh, just maddening the way that game ends. You know, if, for example, they call that third down penalty, not a penalty, field goal is a tie game now. Eagles have a chance to go down. Oh, no. It would have been a close game. Eagles would have had some time, almost a minute and 45 seconds, 45 seconds to go down and do something. Instead, the, basically the officials just take everything into their own hands and ruin it. There's always next year. For Patrick Mahomes, wow. That's all you can say. Two Super Bowls in four years. Another MVP. And Super Bowl MVP. Baller. Okay, back to mixed martial arts. What is on tap? So the week ahead, we have UFC Fight Night. Blanchfield versus Andrage with the late change week, well, week, a week or so change for Andrage in for Tyler Santos. PFL Challenger Series week number four coming up on Friday. LFA 153 is also coming up this week. So a nice week ahead for mixed martial arts. Let me double check to make sure I'm not missing anything. So yeah, fight night is at four o'clock PM on Saturday. Andrage versus Aaron Blanchfield. You've got the PFL Challenger Series on Friday at 9 o'clock. LFA on Friday at 9 o'clock as well. And I'm just double-checking to make sure there's nothing else on that Saturday. Oh, you do have one fight night coming up. That's the following week. We'll talk about that. And I'm just kind of streaming forward. Bellator's coming up in a few weeks. Then March gets crazy. March is going to be bananas. You've got... Well, first of all, Jake Paul is supposed to fight this guy, Fury, in, what, less than two weeks? That's going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, but March is going to be mad. Like, March Madness it's going to be mad. A ton of good UFC fights, a lot going on. Um, and, yeah, hype while I have you here, dude. Next week's card is rough. Ooh, and it, it's going to happen, right? You're going to have this happen sometimes because – you know, we have so many fights, right? We have so much going on, so many cards. They got to fill them with whoever. But that UFC Vegas 69 card is beat. It's beat, man. Like the co-main event is Zach Palga versus Jordan Wright. I was breaking that fight down today. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. I mean, you're talking about hot garbage? Oof. Hot garbage. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll give you guys my first initial uh, response to that main event. I like Aaron Blanchfield. She's plus money right now. I thought after people evaluated things, she would move to even, if not slight favorite. It's going the other way, and let it keep going <laughs> because I like Aaron Blanchfield a lot in this fight. The matchup is a good matchup for her. She is the superior grappler. She's got some advantages here. The fans are thinking about how Jessica Andrade beat up Lauren Murphy. Well, Lauren Murphy, completely different kind of fighter and not nearly as talented on the ground. Prior fight against 
uh, what was it? Lamos. Same thing. Lamos has no ground game. Not Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, Blanche was only twenty three. Just you know, I got that. She's young. Hasn't really beat anyone's big time. This will be her toughest opponent, no question. Andrade is a former champion. All that stuff. Yeah, I got it. But Aaron Blanchfield, she's a bad mama. I think she wins this fight by submission. And it could happen in round one early. It could happen in round four, any point in the fight. But she wins it. If she doesn't win by submission, she'll win the control battle. But yeah, the rest of the fight card gets a little bit, whew, you're like, who are these people? Zach Pauga, Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright's moving up to light heavyweight. Why would you do this? <laughs> Listen, here's a guy who has durability issues out the wazoo. Why would you move up in weight, dude? You know what happens when you move up in weight? They hit harder, Jordan, right? So that makes no sense. Zach Palga moving down in weight from what he fought at in the contender series. Now that is a smart move. Zach Palga fought at heavyweight in contender series, got knocked out by Kamar Usman's brother in the finale, blah, 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 whatever. Looked a little bit chinny. But was fighting at heavyweight just due to the circumstances. That's not his natural fighting weight. He's more of a light heavyweight. This is light heavyweight. Jordan Wright fought at what? Welterweight before. Not used to this weight class. This would be his first fight, I think, at welterweight, maybe ever. Definitely not anytime recently. Yeah. So I think Zach Paga knocks out Jordan Wright. And Zach Paga's not even a big time finisher. He's got like what four of his five wins are by decision. But he's gonna just eventually find Jordan Wright so exhausted that Jordan Wright will just be done. Uh, then moving down, yeah, Josh Parisian versus Jamal Pokes. Oh, my Lord. This is main event, guys. Main card, I mean. William Knight versus Marcin Prachnow. So that's the main card. Knight, Prachnow, Parisian, Mogs, Pokes, I mean, uh, Palga, Wright, and Andraj Blanchfield. Mm. The prelim card, Jim Miller. You should have put Jim Miller on the main card. Come on, guys. It's Jim Miller. So prelim card main event, Jim Miller versus Alexander Hernandez. I guess it doesn't matter if it's prelim or main card for this shit. Right. <laughs> so Jim Miller versus Alexander Hernandez. Then moving down, Lena Landsberg. Ooh, hot garbage. First, Mara Bueno Silva. And I like Silva here at 9-2-1. I think she gets herself back in the win column. Lena Landsberg is 10-7. I think she drops at 10-8. Hype, he writes in here, I like Josh Parisian, but they have to stop putting him on the main card. Listen, dude, we should have like a, a wrestle-off here, a fight or something. I don't know. How, how do you get in the main card? Because besides Jessica Andrade and Blanchfield, I think Jim Miller and Hernandez should be in the main card. And then from there, who knows? Fight, fight, fight for it. Maybe flip a coin. I don't know. OSP, Vince St. Preux, man, he's getting up there against Philippe Linz. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some guys you don't recognize. The other ones you do recognize, you're like, uh, like Jamal Emmers is fighting a guy named Kusain Ashabov, and Ashabov is 23 and 0. Jamal Emmers is 18 and 6. Yeah. Nazim Sadyakov fighting Evan Elder. But Sadikov is American. AJ Fletcher. Oh, I by the way, AJ Fletcher's fighting Thimba Gori Gorimbaum. <laughs> I haven't seen the Thimba guy. I have to watch film with him first. But I'll tell you this about AJ Fletcher. One of the worst gas tanks in all of mixed martial arts. My man is really good until he just can't do it anymore. And when he can't do it, he gets so gassed. It's a shame. He's a former college football player, athletic background. 
Something's going on there with the gas tank. The dude just hits a wall, man. Hits a freaking wall. Hypey writes in here, those should be on the main card. Emmer's fight and Elder's fight. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree, dude. I agree. I, I feel like... I, mean, I don't know why you put Zach Palga and Jordan Wright up there. I guess Jordan Wright's been in some fights, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean... I, Listen, I'll tell you what, you guys want to waste like 10, 15 minutes of your life, go watch a Jordan, go watch Jordan Wright in his past fights. Oh my good. Yeah. Let me tell you something, man. I don't know how some of these guys even get here. <laughs> I don't. And if you know the story of Jordan Wright, it's not like he just meandered to get to this point. Like he really tried hard to get to where he's at in mixed martial arts. He worked super hard. Like he had goals when he was a kid and uh, started karate when he was young, like, you know train off season before he went to college and moved to you know new mexico went to for, you know uh, what do you uh not Fortis, uh, jackson wink like lived in the gym and shit like he was committed the size he's got the physicality he looks good right when he when he gets fatigued not not if when he gets fatigued in a fight <laughs> man you don't want no parts of those tickets man and and if you've been betting on mixed martial arts the last two, three years, then you've probably had him in a ticket or two. Just There's been some matches where you're like, oh, no, he should definitely win this fight. Fight goes too long for him. Mm-mm. I mean, how about Pedro this past weekend? Tyson Pedro, we we broke that fight down to the to the crispy, crispy, crispy T. We had Modestus to win, right? We, we picked him to win, mainly because this man, after halfway through round one, he's done. He's spent. Pedro has no, no cardio. Can't fight you anymore. Can't do nothing. No more danger. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> as soon as you touch Jordan Wright's chin, it's <laughs> you can see a man on skates, man. Um, but yeah, this card's interesting. You know, I, I looked at William Knight and Prochnow. I'm leaning towards Knight in that fight, I think, but very reluctant. Ooh, that's a fight. I usually don't say no betting at all, but there's a possibility. No bueno. No betting at all. You know what I mean? Hypey writes in here. He's got guts running 100% every opponent he's faced. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Let's not, though, confuse guts with fighter IQ. Like, fucking idiot. I mean, I've watched his fights, and they're all the same. By the way, you know, he's never been to finish before. I mean, sorry, never been to decision before. So I don't know how many fights. How many fights this guy, Jordan Jordan Wright, 16 fights. None of them have ever been to the scorecards. You don't need judges for my fights, guys. I'm either going to get finished or I'm going to finish the guy in front of me or I'm going to die trying, you know. It's not a good fighting style. I ran out of my drinks. Now I'm like super thirsty. I'm going to go for a few more minutes, guys, and then I got to. Got to bill out of here. It's 2.18 in the morning. East Coast time. For those that are just joining us right now, you can go back maybe later on and check out the interview with Sadiqers Dumas. He came by about an hour or so ago. He was taking a break from playing video games to uh, talk to us about his fight coming up on March 11th in the UFC. He earned his contract in the UFC last August with a nice win on Contender Series. Interesting guy, man been through a lot been through a lot and uh you know i hope he makes it hope he gets up there anytime i get a chance to interview young fighters that are 
nowhere you know near established quite yet but they're kind of just breaking in there you hope to make that connection with them so you can you know maintain a relationship so when they blow up right you know when they blow up you can still be able to give them a call contact them and see if you can reach out get an interview every now and then and that kind of thing um so so yeah ufc fight night andrage versus blanchfield that is what's coming up next week along with the challenger series again challenger series that breakdowns are already out and available for you guys it's on our youtube channel the written breakdown i believe is available this morning at nine o'clock so subscribe to our newsletter if you do one thing tonight before you get off this channel or stop watching this video subscribe to our Substack newsletter you need to do this number one it's free number two entirely free there's no like paywall different levels a hundred percent for free number three it's super duper convenient we send you right to your inbox once a week the full card breakdown written format for the entire UFC card that's coming up. So for next weekend, UFC Vegas 69, get the full card Monday or Tuesday the latest in a written format. Nine o'clock in the morning arrives into your email inbox. You can either look at it at the time or look at it later on, pull it up, look at it whenever you want to look at it. It's free. Full card breakdown, written format, the betting spots we like. Then we also send you later in the week a bet tip sheet. All of the bets we're placing for that card, our props, our parlays, any specials we like, that's all available for free 100% as part of our newsletter run by Substack. Simple, easy to subscribe, just an email. The link to subscribe to that is down below. Please do that because that's an important part of supporting our channel. Second thing is subscribe to this channel right here. The video you're listening to right here on YouTube, subscribe to this channel, please. That's another way to support your our content here. Everything you hear on our channel is usually available through podcasts. So you can hear this right here, what we're talking about, also available via podcast. Social media, follow us on TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram. All those handles are down below if you want to take a look down below here under this video on YouTube. But we appreciate any way you can support us. And that's the most important way. Not necessarily sending us money. No, that that's nice. We appreciate that too. But ultimately, liking, subscribing, and sharing our content that's the way you support our content here at May Fight Club. So once again, subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on Twitter, social media, subscribe here to this video, like and subscribe. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. As always, we appreciate the company we had. We didn't have a big audience, but we had a good audience. And so I appreciate you guys. Hypey writes in here one more thing. Most impressive performance from last night. Hmm. Hmm. Most impressive performance from last night. Mm. You got me thinking. You got me thinking. I I think I'm going to lean. I'm going to give you two. If you don't mind. I think Madalena, the way he shredded Brown. And Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm going fully main event there. I think your your Rodriguez looked super dominant, and Montana looked really amazing too. You know what I mean? Um, Jenkins prelim car looked good too, but just being on the main car, those two guys look great. So, all right, high three. I got to run, dude. I'm heading off of here. It's been two hours and twenty two minutes. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful Monday. For those who are listening now on Monday morning, have a wonderful, wonderful Monday morning. Enjoy your coffee, your donuts, your breakfast sandwiches, whatever you're eating. Um, enjoy the week ahead. We'll see you guys on Friday for those who are looking forward to our next live watch party. 
That'll be this Friday coming up for PFL Challenger Series. We'll do a pre a pre watch party, or I'm sorry, a pre fight watch party from eight thirty to nine, and then at nine o'clock we go live with the actual watch party. Uh, appreciate you guys for stopping by. Thank you so much, Hype3 MMA. You're always, always welcome here. Appreciate your vibes, your support. Uh, but anyway, yeah, join us on Friday for the live watch party. Look out throughout the week for our, our breakdowns for UFC Fight Night uh, or UFC Vegas 69. And uh, the breakdown for PFL is already out. And again, subscribe to our newsletter. Subscribe to our newsletter. All right, guys. Peace. Have a wonderful night and take care.